Well, I want to imagine with you if uh, rather than the Luke version of the Christmas story, we were to instead read the Matthew version on Christmas Eve. It would make for a very different uh, Christmas Eve, wouldn't it? I mean, we could start with uh, the one line that describes Jesus' birth. You notice that's, that's the only line of Scripture that Matthew gives us to record the birth of Jesus Christ into our world. And then immediately, what does Matthew do? He takes us right into the Magi, these wise men. We could even be more stunning. We could go ahead and read past this passage on into the next couple of passages, which become pretty difficult to read. I'll get to those in a minute. But it would be a very different Christmas Eve, wouldn't it? Very brief, very brief, very different. Why is it that Luke gives us all this description of the birth narrative, the angels and the proclamations and Mary and Elizabeth and all the buildup and then and then all the long narrative about Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem and gives us all these details. And then Matthew gives us such a short little one sentence at the beginning of chapter 2. Well, it's because the, the, the biblical writers, the, the two gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, are inspired in different ways to describe different parts of the narrative. Now, you might think, well, doesn't that weaken the argument that this, in fact, is Scripture, that it's, it's absolute truth for us? Well, no, actually, it strengthens it. Because, you see, if, if they felt as if they had to copy each other, it would give you the impression that they were somehow making it up. But the fact that they feel the freedom to tell you, yes, Jesus was born of a virgin, they talk a lot, both of them in chapter 1, Matthew talks about the conception of, of Mary by the Holy Spirit. So there's no question about the uniqueness of this birth, but they tell different pieces of the story because of the different emphasis that the Holy Spirit inspires them to make. You see, Luke never mentions the magi, the wise men. Matthew gives us lots about the magi. Who are these guys? Well, they came from the east, that's what we know. They were probably not kings, which is why we don't sing We Three Kings, as people have sung over years and years. There's nothing to suggest that they, we know their names. They're not recorded here. They were maybe astronomers. They obviously are uh, attuned to the stars, but then many ancient peoples were attuned to the stars. Sailors and farmers and other occupations as well. It was, if you will, a constant in your universe to look up into the heavens and see the stars. We know that when Julius Caesar was born, there was, a, there was an intersection of stars that created what looked like a new star, and that was heralded as a sign of this great king that was being, that was being risen up. So it became very popular to associate star formations and constellations with the, the rising of great kings. We know that these magi, these wise men, uh, had access to Daniel's writings and the writings of the Old Testament that were carried by the children of Israel when they went into exile. Remember, the children of Israel are carried into exile in the 500 B.C. time period. And, they, and so we know that the scriptures were there. There was a, there was a whole uh, uh, libraries full of all sorts of ancient works. And so we don't know exactly what it was that drew these magi, but they came searching for the Christ child. They came searching for the Messiah. And Matthew wants us to know about them. He wants us to understand how important their witness is. I think it's because Matthew wants us to be aware that right off the bat, from the very moment of Jesus' birth, there is this division that is growing. 
You notice it's in, it's in the scripture as you read it that, that there's, there's these two kings. The Magi have come seeking the one who is born king of the Jews. Herod the king wondered about these things and didn't know what they were talking about. You see already there are two kings and two kingdoms. Matthew writing to, a, to an early congregation of mostly Jewish followers of Christ would, would begin to, to, to understand that there, there was always this division, even from Jesus' birth, between those who would oppose him and those who would receive him. We're told that Herod, wink, wink, tells them to go and find the Christ child and then to come and tell him so that he too can go and worship this newborn king. Herod was a cruel man. I don't know if you know much about Herod the Great, and I use quotation marks for the great. Herod killed one of his wives. Henry VIII killed one of his wives, or a couple of his wives, so okay. He killed his sons. At his death, he had prearranged to have all the leaders in Jerusalem rounded up and executed at the moment of his death because he was so spiteful he didn't want any of his political rivals to to succeed him succeed him after in the, on on his throne so that's how vengeful and spiteful Herod was killing his own kids a little later on in the narrative i alluded to it Herod will seek out the child he realizes that the magi have, have deceived him and we're told that he goes to the village of Bethlehem and, and has, or he doesn't go, but he sends his, his troops there. And he has every male child under the age of two killed. It's, it's celebrated as the Feast of the Holy Innocents on the 28th day of December to commemorate this great loss. These innocent boys who died to keep Jesus safe. Of course, we know Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt where they live as exiles, as immigrants, as those who are living displaced from their own home until such a time that Herod the Great is dead. That would make for a gripping Christmas Eve children's sermon. Can't you just hear it? I could talk about the, the innocence and, and the death and the, and the exile and the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure folk, parents would just love me for that on Christmas, Christmas morning to have to explain that to their kids over and over again. Of course, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But, um, but it's, it's important that we see what Matthew wants us to communicate about Jesus' birth. From the very beginning, there is this division there will be those who will oppose Jesus. There will be those who will come, some at great lengths and distances, to worship him. There will be suffering, innocent suffering. These are not the first nor the last to be innocently suffering for the name of Jesus. There will be displacement and exile and pain and suffering associated with this king whose kingdom, the prophet said, would have no end. And yet he's worthy to come and worship. Matthew wants us to know about these things. He wants us to understand them. He wants us especially to know about these magi that they had come from the east. These were the first Gentiles to ever come and worship Christ. 
Everyone else is Jewish. Everybody else in the, at, the, at Christmas morning, they're, they're, all, they're all Jewish people. But here are Gentiles that are coming. And what Matthew wants us to know and what he wanted his congregation to know as they listened to this account is to be reminded that God would bring Gentile believers also into the people of God. That is, the kingdom of this newborn king rises that there will be people coming from all tongues and tribes and nations, from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. I look back on my notes from last year when I preached about Epiphany, and I, I remembered that, that I had talked to you a little bit about the, the Muslim background believers. I think it's important, particularly in the political climate we're living in and where we are in the world right now, that you know, be reminded that there are thousands of Muslim background peoples who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ from places like Saudi Arabia and Turkey and even Iran and Iraq. And as some of these peoples are mis- displaced, just as Jesus and his parents were, that they are finding Christ in places like Turkey or in the Netherlands or in Canada, or even in the United States. The largest Iranian church in the world, I'm told, is in Santa Cruz, California. Because of all the displaced, exiled Iranians that have come to faith in Christ and are now worshiping there. We're in relationship with Brent and Kim McHugh, um, with Christar International Mission Agency. And, and Brent's the one who's told me about these back. Muslim background believers and, and others have told me about what's going on in the world and, and, and those are if you will in the line with the magi with these wise men these Gentiles who against all odds and over great distances and pain come and seek to worship Christ the newborn king we don't have much more about the magi they, they come and they worship and they return. But oh how they worship. They're filled with great joy we're told. When they come and find the Christ child. They're not put off by his humble surroundings. By his peasant parents. By the, the condition of the place where he's born. They come and they worship him. And we're told that after seeing him. They bring him and present him with great gifts. This is interesting because if you go back to 1 Kings t- chapter 10. You've got qu- the queen of Sheba. Which is an, an African kingdom. Coming out of probably what is now Ethiopia. Coming to visit King Solomon. When she hears about Solomon becoming king of Israel. And she too brings this new king, all these gifts of, of things like gold and frankincense. And so it's, it's interesting that there's this parallel in the Old Testament. But here these wise men come and they give to Jesus these great gifts. Probably that's how Mary and Joseph financed their trip to Egypt and back. You ever thought about that? How did, they, how did they journey that far? Well, they had gold and they had frankincense and they had myrrh. Gold we know. We know gold. Frankincense was... Something associated, it was a spice associated with, with worship, with, worship with, the, with the priestly office of the temple in Jerusalem. So king, priest, does this sound familiar? Jesus is king, he's prophet, and he's priest. Not the, the prophet part's not included there, but, but myrrh is included. What was myrrh for? It was an oil. Mostly associated with the embalming of a body, preparing for someone's death. Why would you bring a baby, I mean, 
you know, why would you bring a tombstone to a baby shower, right? Why would you, why would you, why would you do that? Well, because, because there's clear understanding that this king is born to suffer and die. You see, the, the, the innocent boys that died so that Jesus was safe and could be removed to Egypt, the innocent king, Jesus Christ, gave his life for the sins of the world. And Matthew wants us to know from the very beginning, from his incarnation, that, that this, this king has come to die for the sins of the world. Well, what are we to take away from this story, this amazing, strange, magi story? We're not, what we're not to take away is to study the stars and look for signs and wonders. That's not the, the gift. We, we don't have to follow by stars and, and phenomenal events, although they're kind of cool to think about every once in a while. We're, we're to follow the Christ by faith, by our faith that Christ has revealed himself through holy scriptures, that the Bible contains all things necessary for our salvation, that, that we, can, we can seek him through the word of God, through the, through the wisdom of those who have followed before us, great women and men of the faith who've written things for us to learn and to follow after through prayer and through worship. Don't miss that the Magi worship. We don't know how much of the theological correct understanding of who Jesus was and all of his soteriological implications of his life and death and resurrection. Can you tell I've been studying for my doctoral class this week? And, but, but, we don't, but what they did was they worshipped Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Now, like you, I'm always excited when athletes or musicians seem to indicate that they're Christians, that they believe in Jesus Christ. But I'm not so interested in what they say is what they do because Jesus isn't looking for fans, he's looking for followers. And to follow Jesus is to worship him. And that's what the Magi do. They worship him. Now, a warning, I think something else we're to take from this. You notice that, that it's, it's, it's interesting in the way the, the story is told. Herod doesn't go and try to kill the Christ child right off hand. Instead, he, he gets the magi, the wise men aside, and he tells them that they need to find out where this child is specifically and then come and tell them, wink, wink, so I can worship him. The people of God, the people who serve, who are a part of Jesus' kingdom, will always be vulnerable to being manipulated by the kings of this world. And we need to be aware of that. The way the enemy works is to try to manipulate, to try to work in the back door, to try to co-opt the church and get the church to serve their purposes, which is why, frankly, we keep politics and Christ separate here. We don't preach politics from the pulpit because we don't want to ever be in that situation where we're being manipulated by kings and princes to do their will rather than to do the will of God. Matthew makes it clear. There is a division. Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace, I've come to bring a sword. I will divide even a man's home, three against two and two against three. Now, that doesn't mean we wage war the way the world wages war. We, we fight for the kingdom of Christ, but we fight 
with mercy and grace and love. As we start a new year, men and women, young and old in Christ, we seek the Christ just as the Magi did. By faith, reading from the scriptures, I trust you've made a fresh commitment to reading through the Bible, to reading scripture daily. If you didn't get there, don't worry about it. Your pastor didn't get through there. I only got through November, but I'm going to press on. I'm going to finish my one-year Bible and get it to the end because it's important that we're committed to seeking Christ through his word, through prayer, and through ultimately through worship. The Magi gave witness to the glory of God by their willingness to bring costly worship before Christ. We get to offer ourselves in worship as well. When somebody tells you they're a Christian, ask them how they worship. Because that's the distinguishing, that's the defining moment. Are they worshipers of Christ or are they simply people who mentally assent to belief in a God who sent his son Jesus? We get to worship. We don't bring gold and frankincense and myrrh Although if you want to bring gold, it's okay. We, we can deal with that. I don't really know what we would do with frankincense and myrrh, but we would take your gold. But we offer unto the Lord our time and our talent and our treasures. We make our lives available to him. We offer ourselves in service to him, and we come to worship and adore him. Aware that in this world, to serve as Jesus is part of Jesus' kingdom will bring us in direct conflict with the kingdoms of this world. How we navigate that, because we all have to work and live and function in the world, that is more than one sermon can deal with. But it starts with prayer and scripture study, worship, and living in the body of Christ. I don't know where the Magi ended up. I don't really even know, frankly, completely who they were. But they represent to us those who see that whatever we give up, whatever it cost us, whatever innocent suffering, whatever displacement and exile, coming to worship Christ cost us, it is always worth it. For he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who died that we might have life and have it eternally. And that's why he's worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. Amen. Welcome to the Roaring Twenties. I trust it will not be followed by the Great Depression of the Thirties. I I honestly never thought about living long enough to be back in the Twenties. Here we are. A new day to serve the Lord. Remember whose kingdom you serve. Don't be co-opted. Worship Christ, the newborn king. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.